0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Banter Podcast, Episode Four. This is your host Ben Cohn, uh,
1: along here with my co-host Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you today? I am well, Ben. Uh, staying in place, only going out for bare essentials such as whiskey and toilet paper. What about yourself? Uh,
0: yeah, I wish that was the case for me. I'm going out and getting. I'm going out and getting uh, b- uh, food for my toddler and uh snacks to keep my wife and I sane while we have a screaming uh, toddler uh essentially making sure that I get almost no work done every day um <laughs> so uh, yeah that's that's been my week um but yeah anyway so what uh a lot, a lot, a lot to discuss today a lot to discuss
1: today I guess we should start maybe with the jobless claims that we had yesterday. Well, there uh, are. Yeah. No, okay. we've, we've got two unemployment reports. Uh, the, the first one that came down this week was uh, yesterday 6.6 million Americans filed for unemployment insurance last week. That doubles the previous record of 3.3 million set the previous week. And so we've had 10 million. Americans file for unemployment in just two weeks. Which is astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. And, And what is also astonishing, before we get to the other unemployment number, is that Wall Street reacted like 10 million people losing their jobs in two weeks was bullish because the major indexes were up like 2%. Like the Dow was up 450 points. NASDAQ was up 2%. S&P was up 2%, and it's just like, imagine imagine getting up in the morning, seeing that the latest unemployment claim number is 6.6 million Americans, and thinking to yourself, you know what, I think I'll fire up the trading platform and buy some stock today. What? The, the disconnect
0: between what happens at the stock market and what happens on the ground with people's lives is... Truly amazing, really, and I think it's kind of being highlighted now. The actions of, of, of traders uh, adds very, very little
1: to do with the real economy, right? Um, right. Uh, oh, sorry, you know, so I was high. just gonna say, like, I was just gonna say that, like, if you needed any more evidence that the stock market is not the economy or, or that. This is stock market is is even indicative, not indicative of what's going on in the quote unquote real economy. Uh, just look at yesterday; it's totally insane.
0: Yeah, the fact that most Americans can't scrape together four hundred dollars in an emergency should, you know. Um, that that should have really said it all, you know. That that's been a kind of a longstanding statistic that most Americans. I think I can't remember what percentage of Americans, but a horrifying number of Americans don't have four hundred dollars in savings to get together for an emergency. Um, yet, you know, the stock market has still been seen as the kind of barometer of how well the economy is doing, and it it just isn't. Now we're kind of right. seeing fir- firsthand. Now we're really, really beginning to understand that you, you know you can have ten million people filing for unemployment.
1: And the stock market goes up. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I think that number was like maybe 50% of Americans or 40% of Americans. Yeah. Even if it's 30% of Americans or 20, it's still a very ridiculous number that you know they can't afford a $400 emergency expense. Um, but that's just where we are at as a country and, and in our quote unquote real economy. Um, So the other unemployment figure to drop uh, was today and the country lost 700,000 jobs, but that only goes up to March 15th. So that doesn't count the the 10 million in the preceding two weeks. So what we're going to (laughs) have is just an insanely high unemployment report. Next month, it's it's gonna be over ten. It's possibly gonna be over twelve. I don't know what the math is here. Math mm. was never my strong suit. But if the unemployment rate shot up to four point four percent on seven hundred thousand, mm. you can imagine what ten million is gonna do. And yet, you've still got you've got people like Kevin McCarthy, the leading House Republican, saying he opposes more stimulus because he doesn't think it's needed. Bad news for him and that yeah. trillions more will be needed to counteract this catastrophe Oh yeah I mean I think you know people thought the stimulus was was, uh, was big I mean there's nothing
0: compared to what's going to be needed I mean what was it a two trillion dollar stim- stimulus I don't think people really understand that that's just the fir- that's, that's basically that's the first one to keep people's heads above water you know for the next couple of months. Um, you're going to, we're going to need several more, uh, stimuluses or stimuli. What's the plural of stimulus, stimuli, stimuli. Yeah. Um, several more stimuli to, to, to ensure we don't have a complete meltdown on the, of the economy. Um, you know, this is, this is what everybody around the world is now coming to terms with. Um, I mean, Trump's floating a, a huge, um, infrastructure spending plan which he did in the beginning he, he he there was something that he wanted to do when he became president that was his big aim um infrastructure fourth, week yeah i mean you know you can sort of predict what it's going to be it's basically going to be massive tax cuts to um to to big corporations uh that's what i would imagine the stimulus trump's mega stimulus is going to look like any republican-based stimulus is going to be mostly made up of tax, of tax cuts um, so I think you know, we'd be very skeptical about anything, anything this guy says.
1: Yeah, it's going to be tax cuts and direct bailouts to corporations mostly. I mean, Steve Mnuchin is going to oversee a $500 billion slush fund with not a whole lot of oversight from what I understand as part of the, the $2 trillion stimulus.
0: Right, of course, and and what is that going to look like? I mean, what what really terrifies me is the fact that we've got a guy who a guy who made his entire who made his fortune from basically um, lying, charming, scamming, and cheating his way to you know billions of dollars. Well, allegedly billions of dollars through basically um, making businesses go bankrupt and then convincing banks to lend him more money to do more businesses that that go bankrupt. Uh, is is positively terrifying. Um, this is not the person that you want in charge of the world's largest economy during a time, uh, during an economic crash. This is the, literally the very last person that you want in charge. Um, so it, I think it's of the like the utmost importance that this guy getting voted out uh, in November. Even just on that base alone, you need kind of comp- people who are competent um figuring out how to get us out of this mess, people who actually have some sense of responsibility, because Trump would just put it on the credit card. He'll put it on the credit card with no way of paying it back.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's what Republican presidents do. That's how they, that's what they do to pay for tax cuts and and wars and all that stuff. I mean, it's par for the course. Uh, Republicans talk a big game about the debt and deficits, but when they get into, the, into office, they just relegate those concerns to something of secondary importance, if any importance whatsoever. But you mentioned, you know, how Trump is basically, you know, lied his way through everything in life. And that really owes to his inherent narcissism. So many people have accurately pointed out that, that Trump is a narcissist. And I feel like, and that's true. Like if, if you look at the the DSM, and the criteria for what makes a narcissist, and you look at the symptoms, you don't have to be a psychologist to see that Trump checks like virtually every single box. And I know some people might say it's irresponsible for me to do that or whatever as a, as a non, first of all, as someone who is not a psychologist or a mm-hmm. psychiatrist. And second of all, someone who has never, I've never actually spoken with Trump. He's not a patient of mine, but the fact of the matter is the body of work that we have seen from this guy is immense. And oh, yeah, you just, and maybe if I were a medical professional, I wouldn't go this far, but I'm not. So I don't have, I don't have to uphold any, you know, standard in that regard or abide by any, any norms, but the guy is just a raging, malignant narcissist. And one reason that we were not quick enough on the draw in responding to this coronavirus was because, is because Trump, he denied it. He downplayed it as long as he could because he knows or he knew that it was going to be bad for him. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be president when a pandemic hits because all, ty- all kinds of things are going to go wrong. So he pretended it wasn't really a problem until it was just completely untenable. So we've seen a bit of a transition from him. It's a democratic hoax to it's not going to be that bad to it's kind of like the flu to, oh, shit, we're in some trouble and we need to take the following measures. Finally. Finally. Yeah. And I mean, so- how, how many people are going to die, though, because
0: of that, because of the lack of preparedness, the lack of preparation? For, I mean, it's it's completely criminal and, and I, th- I think that you know the democrats really 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 need to do a good job of of letting americans know just how badly they've responded to this crisis because you know, i've seen some good videos actually um i've seen some good videos there, some good ads that they've all they, they've already released Uh, with timelines of of him talking about, you know, there's going to be zero cases and uh, what as the number of infected uh, grew. But I think that, you know, you can look at his his uh, approval ratings, his approval ratings are like um, there's a lot of good uh, stuff about um, his uh, what happens to presidents during disasters, during huge crises. And usually they get a absolutely huge um, uh, bump in the polls. Right, they get like I think Jimmy Carter's approval rating went up to some something like ninety percent during the Iran Contra scandal. Um, I mean, it was it was like an insane
1: uh, bump. Jimmy approval rating. Jimmy Carter during the Iran Contra scandal. Oh, you in mean the, oh, the Iran hostage taking? Is that what you mean? Yeah. No, sorry, not Iran Contra. Yeah, the
0: hostage situation in the Iran, not Iran Contra. That was Reagan, but uh, he he had a huge spike in popularity when that began. Um, and if you compare, and the same with George Bush uh, with the Iraq war, uh, September 11th and then the Iraq war. But if you look at Trump's, um, his approval rating went up about, I, I think it was a, if you look at the average in all polls, it was about 5%. He, his approval rating went up from 43% to like 47
1: Yeah, it looks like I mean, there was one poll, it was a Gallup poll that showed his handling 60% approved of his handling of this situation that seemed to be an outlier because they consistently seem to be like bumping up against the 50% mark. Mm. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm a little concerned that the most notable Democrat in America has been reluctant to really attack Trump on his shortcomings. I mean, he's critiqued Trump but he hasn't really taken out the hammer, which he, he, he could do because Trump has completely uh, botched this, as we've pointed out, but I am worried that Joe Biden is, and we've talked about this before, we don't have to do yeah, it. Really mm. uh, I'm a little worried that he's just he's going to try to play above the fray mm. and kind of treat Trump with kid gloves when really he should be hammering away at you know, at his at his denialism, his call, yeah. calling it a democratic hoax, and in, in g- trying to gin up anti-Trump sentiment, uh, and just his overall hand handling of this situation. So, and, and optically, and I hate the word optics, but with and this isn't Biden's fault because the pandemic isn't his fault. Mm. Right now, he seems like just a, a guy talking in his living room. About what we should do. Cause that's what he is. And again, there's no fault of his own. I'm just mm. a little worried that compared with Trump, who goes out there every day in those briefings, which I thankfully don't watch. He goes out there every day. He's with Fauci, he's with Burks, he's with you know the Surgeon General and all those people. And he is at least pretending to be president. Right. And so I'm kind of worried about that that juxtaposition, even though he's spouting like incredible amounts of nonsense, bullshit, and vitriol. Yeah, I just worry what that looks like compared to uh, Biden, you know, standing in his living room at a podium that looks wildly out of place.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that we're going to see, uh, what we're going to see coming up though is that the, the, the disaster hasn't really hit America yet. It's not, I mean, it's hit in New York, but even New York isn't in the worst of it. New York is like still, um, you know, it's going to get worse. The next two weeks in New York are going to be absolutely dreadful, um, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So, you know, I'm hoping that the strategy is to, to, to let him basically reap what he's sown. You know, so we can just see in full in full view, like the complete destruction, a needless destruction that this guy has caused um, through not doing his job, uh, and then and then kind of hammer that home. Uh, down the stretch. Uh, that, that's what I hope. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that that, I mean, obviously I'm hoping that a disaster doesn't unfold because it's fucking horrific. It's going to be really, really bad. What's about to happen. Um, so, you know, I would love a divine
1: intervention to stop that. Neither one of us are rooting for this to get worse. If no. I could, if I could wave the old magic wand and make this go away right now, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, Biden or whoever the eventual nominee is, pandemic or no pandemic, they should be able to beat this guy. They really should. And we talked on the first episode, you know, I have I have serious reservations about Biden as the nominee because he fits a certain profile uh that's yeah, yeah. lost previous times, but he should still beat this guy because he's he's such uh, he's so unqualified, unfit and gross and repugnant. Yeah. And yet and yet I don't know if you saw on Tuesday what Jim Acosta had to say about Trump's temporary, newfound, somber tone mm. about the pandemic on Tuesday. He, um, oh, Jim, who Jim Acosta CNN, yeah, 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 White House correspondent for CNN. He, I think most people know that Trump is a narcissist, uh, especially mm. the people who cover him all the time in the media, but I feel like sometimes they either forget he's a narcissist or they don't know how a narcissist operates so on occasion you know trump will act like something other than the narcissist that he is for a few fleeting moments yeah he displays some, some
0: people, somewhat human characteristics right someplace. exactly
1: exactly he's yeah and and some people mistakenly view this as some sort of change or pivot and we mm-hmm. saw this especially during his first year in office Not so much now, because I think people understand, but it still comes up from time to time. We see it with Van Jones, Dana Perino, I think Fareed Zakaria, also a bunch of other people, and now Jim Acosta, and he was telling Anderson Cooper later in the day after the White House briefing on Tuesday, and he said it was, quote, the most stunning briefing, unquote, he's ever attended. And he called it downright chilling. And then the icing on the cake, he said, this was a different Donald Trump tonight. I think he gets it, Anderson. And it's like, no, it's not a different Trump. There can't be a different Trump. There's no cure for what he has. Uh, They don't even make they don't even have meds. That Trump can take to mitigate his narcissism like this is th- he doesn't have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or depression like this is who he is and who he'll always be like this is the thing that that defines him. And once you've internalized this and once you understand it, he can never fool you. Right. But th- somehow he's managed to, however, temporarily fool Jim Acosta into thinking like this is a different Trump all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, what is that about the media? Why do they do that? I don't understand. Like, what it is about media outlets that love to do this? It's like, you know, them like fawning all over George George W. Bush when he put on a flight jacket, uh, a flak jacket? um, And got on got on a um, a
1: military. What was it? He got on a a, a boat. He he was flying in a jet. He wasn't flying the plane, obviously. Um, yeah, course, yeah. Even though I think he was in the Air National Guard back in the day, but he was flying the plane. They landed on the uh, USS Abraham Lincoln aircraft carrier, I believe. The aircraft carrier, yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, he he played. He, he really played the media on that one.
0: Yeah, and they loved it. They were like, you know, he looks so presidential, and look at look at what a great leader he is, and um, it, it was just. I don't understand what it is about the the media that loves to do it. It's like they're like goldfish. They have a memory of about four seconds.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe part of it is they want to use those opportunities to show that they're not always hating on the president, on the Republican president. So if there's a glimmer of humanity in something that Trump says, maybe they figure Mm. like, oh, you know, here's my chance to uh, credit him for something, you know, that, that he did well.
0: But it's also the lack part of, of it, context. What's that? It's, it's the lack of context, really. It's the lack of context that really it, 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 it's when they say these things, it's not. There's no context there. They just, they make these declarative statements like, um, you know, look how presidential he looks. His tone was somber. And this is a real, you know, this is the real president. This is the re- him being presidential. Now. Right. Basically. But it's like, wait a second. Like, he's fucked this up you know in every way conceivable and he looks presidential or he sounds like a human being for five seconds and and now you get then you know the the effect of that the effect on the viewer is to say like okay look now he's the president he takes it seriously you know maybe he is the leader we all we we wanted we were just waiting for him to emerge
1: right right and then they're always proven to be a bunch of fools because in this case in the very next briefing like 24 hours later trump was back to old trump He and like I said, I don't watch these things. I only see what gets surfaced on on Twitter and news sites and stuff like that, because I refuse to sit through 90 minutes of nonsense. I I just if there's anything useful.
0: Yeah, of a lunatic just spouting garbage.
1: Yeah. If 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 Fauci or Burks or anyone else says anything useful or notable, I'll get it after the fact. I'm not sitting through that shit. But so the the next day, the day after Jim Acosta And it wasn't just Jim Acosta, it was also Jake Sherman of Politico, and he was saying that this is a completely new message, a new tone from Trump. So the next day, he goes out there and he brags about being number one on Facebook, whatever that means. He's not the most followed or anything like that, but that's beside the point. So he he just reverts back to the same old Trump, and he was attacking this person and that person and this news organization, and it's just... Like, you got to understand as as a narcissist, the guy's first impulse is to promote himself and and everything else is a d- distant second. And if coronavirus killed like everybody but 100 people in the country, his main concern would be how he's polling with those 100 people. Like, forget right. about the 300 plus million who have died like they can't they can't give him attention, they can't give him praise, they can't give him their votes. That's not what matters. What matters is how he's perceived among the remaining population. Right. Was yeah, that too crafty I mean, too extreme? I, no, no,
0: no, no, I mean this what I what I'm worried about is is um what I'm interested to see is how this thing Continue once the death toll starts like really
1: climbing and really soaring.
0: What? How? How? I don't know. How do you think it's going to be covered? How do you think they're going to cover this?
1: How do I think the media is going to cover the rising death toll?
0: Yeah, I mean, as related to what, how Trump kind of responds to it. Like, what? That's that's. It's going to be. We're we're entering a very interesting period of time now, where kind of facts and reality are now breaking through the kind of fantasy bubble.
1: Finally. I I worry that an increasing number of cases and an increasing number of deaths will make the media, in addition to Joe Biden, more reluctant to criticize Trump because they will view this as something of a war. And Trump has already said that this makes him a wartime president.
0: Yeah, he's he's portraying himself as a wartime president. Right. So
1: I'm worried that this will be the pandemic version of Iraq the Iraq war. war. Yeah. So where the media and and Bush's political opponents were reluctant to point out all of the, the horrible decisions and things that he was doing, starting with launching the war in the first place. I'm worried that as in that situation, Americans were dying, they were getting wounded. And so criticizing the president of the United States in a time of such catastrophe would would be seen as unseemly. I am I am a little bit worried about that. I think Biden is not to get back to Biden again, but I I do worry that he is not really seizing this moment, because as we've said, Trump has screwed up big time at a bunch of different points here over the last couple of months. And mm. I, I think we need to inject that into the national conversation as opposed to letting Trump just get up there every day and shaping and the narrative. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the strategy is. I mean, I'm hoping that there is one. Um, I really do. I, th- I, I think that Obama would be a really good person to consult at a time like this as to how to play you know, how to how to handle this, how to how to kind of what image you want to project during this this kind of a time. Um, so I hope he's listening um, because, yeah, it's going to be absolutely vital that that, that people understand, you, you know, just how badly this guy screwed up. I mean, I think that there is going to be uh, there is going to be a, a political cost to this, particularly given the economy is falling apart. Now, the economy is falling apart. Um, they're gonna, people are gonna wanna know, like, okay, what is this guy actually doing? I mean, if you look in Florida, actually, Florida is a really interesting case um, where uh, the the unemployment system. Are all these people like filing for unemployment now, but the unemployment system in Florida was basically designed by um, the governor, um, uh, Governor Scott, to essentially make it it almost impossible to get a claim, for an a claim for unemployment. Claim claim for unemployment. So they've got this case where they've got this terrifying situation where millions of people are, are, are going to be unemployed um, or, or are filing for unemployment and they can't get unemployment benefits. It's hitting the middle class. That's the thing. Yeah. I think now, now the middle class is now going to start to understand what poor working class Americans have to put up with, like right? just how insane the unemployment system is and how bad it is and how little you can get and how hard it is to survive. Um, and ha- how woefully inadequate the American welfare state is. Um, so I think now the fact that, that middle class Americans are going to have to put up with this, uh, it, it, there, there could be some political blowout from this, some blowback from this. Because, um, I mean, DeSantis in uh, uh, the governor, I mean, he didn't even uh, he, he only declared lockdown like this
1: week. Right. Right. So, so that's that's insane. Yeah. What, re- real quick about that Florida situation. Yeah. So like Rick Scott, when he was governor of Florida, now he's a senator. Uh, yeah. He's
0: a senator. He, uh, the he, oh, yeah.
1: yeah. He like gave uh, the consulting firm Deloitte, I think it was like $78 million to come up with this system. Yeah. And it's just not navigable. Like, and some people are saying that this is, it's, purposely so to make it harder for people to file for unemployment and make it so that you know Florida's unemployment numbers would look lower than they, they, are.
0: they actually are yeah
1: yeah um, basically and,
0: putting people in poverty well basically making sure that working families can't get money
1: right right my favorite part of the story is all of uh, like the DeSantis people are just totally throwing Rick Scott under the bus Because they they're both Republicans, but the Desantis people they don't want to be faulted for this, so they're they're telling Politico one of them said, uh, "What do you say? It's a shit sandwich, and it was designed that way by Scott. It wasn't about saving money; it was about making it harder for people to get benefits or keep benefits." So that the unemployment numbers were low to give the governor something to brag about. That's a direct quote.
0: Right, and now Republicans want bailouts. Now Republicans um, uh, who have been affected by this, they're going to want to have on. Un- they want to claim for an insurance, to so for for unemployment rather, and they're not going to be able to because the systems the systems designed so that they, it's almost impossible to do so. So and it's this, Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is where I see that the th- why I think this time it could be different. I think that this time um, you, you, they're not going to be able to get away with the same, you know, when they bailed out the banks um, in 2008 and gave a massive stimulus, you know, they, they had that huge stimulus that was essentially geared almost exclusively to, to the rich with the giant tax breaks and bailouts that this is going to, I think it's going to be different this time. I think it's. I don't. I don't see how they can get away with the same thing because people of all walks of life now are, are now need a bailout, and I don't. I think that the the blow. You know, the sort of blowback is going to be extreme, and all these all these states that don't have a robust welfare system that didn't take the pandemic seriously that have a crumbling you know healthcare infrastructure um, and have booted people off Medicaid and and cut made cuts to Medicare. These these states are gonna the the the, the blowback is gonna be very very severe, and I think you know I'm hoping that uh, Florida is very very dangerous for Trump. That's a that's a key swing state. Um, If he loses Florida, he loses the election. You know, if he doesn't take Florida, he's
1: toast. You know, so I think that he's yeah. Well, I I mean, yeah, Florida's one. uh, Michigan Michigan could be another. Because Michigan went for Trump last time, like Florida did, but he's really been shitting on Gretchen Whitmer, their governor, who he called, what do you call her, that woman in Michigan or something like that? So yeah, you never know. The, The unemployment situation in Florida could get really bad and people could be so hard up that even the folks who went for Trump last time would just say, you know what, I am not better off than I was four years ago, so... I'm voting for the other person.
0: I'm voting for the other guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I hate to sort of look at this situation in, 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 in through this political lens, um, but ultimately the, the 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 sort of scale of of the disaster is directly related to the poli- to politics. You no, vote a moron, you vote a moron into into office, who then guts the government, gets rid of the pandemic response team in the CDC. And refuses to listen to scientists, refuses to listen to medical advice, uh, doesn't want to work with um, with uh, other uh, countries around the world, um, has a kind of America first, America goes it alone type attitude, and then you're hit with a with a global pandemic. This is the last kind of guy you want in in, in power to lead the nation through this. so the the reason why it's so bad I mean think about how many lives they could have saved had they taken this seriously. Back you know late last year and early in, in early January, we would be in a very very different position i mean New York's about to run out of ventilators in six days' time
1: yeah it's it's crazy and... and
0: that's fucking new york that's new york that's 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 like the wealthiest that's like the wealthiest state one of the wealthiest states in the country you know that's where wall street is that's where there are billions and billions and billions of dollars flowing in and out of New York you know on a minute to minute basis and they are running out of ventilators.
1: They are. And it's crazy that it's come to this, but unfortunately mm. it has. If I could have chosen, if you gave me the the, the option, if you said, look, there's going to be mm. a global pandemic and you can have your choice as to who is going to lead the country during the pandemic and mm. oversee this. You can have Donald Trump or you can have a citizen chosen at random, I would go with the random citizen. Oh, yeah, every time. Because I I would trust that that person, whoever he or she would be, would collect the best and brightest minds and kind of listen to them and make decisions based on what the experts in their administration were saying, right? as opposed to this guy, the the established... Malignant narcissist. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: you know, that's a good point. I mean, you you sort of think about whatever your misgivings are about Hillary Clinton, and I, you know, I I was never really a fan of uh, of Hillary Clinton at all. But if you think the responses would have been the same from from like a Clinton administration, like you know, you, you can all the people that Hillary Clinton would have brought in, you might not have liked them, but they were fucking smart, right? They were clever people who would have like taken this seriously. Um, and, and think about the the, the different position that we, we would have been in. It would have been a completely different situation had you had a Democratic administration. I mean, it would have been a
1: completely different situation if you'd had Mitt Romney.
0: M- yes. Mitt Romney I, I, I agree him. with that.
1: I mean, you could pick pretty much any establishment politician, and mm-hmm. I would say, yes, of course, I would want that person to handle this instead of the <laughs> the guy we got now. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I have a I got a little trivia question, I guess, for you. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to name 11 states, and I would like you to tell me what they all have in common. Okay? Hey. Okay. All right. South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, Utah, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Nebraska. What do they all have in common? They all went for Trump in 2016. Yeah. They all have a Republican governor. Mm-hmm. And together, they are the only remaining states without a shelter-in-place order at the moment. Whoa. And if you, if you throw in Florida and Georgia, which, as you noted, only this week ordered a shelter-in-place, that's mm-hmm. another two states that went for Trump and have a Republican governor. In, in Georgia's case, their governor, uh, Brian Kemp, just admitted – Couple of days ago, that he didn't know asymptomatic carriers of COVID nineteen could transmit the disease to others, even though we've known that for a while now. But I, like I, the the point is, I don't think it's a coincidence that the remaining eleven states that don't have shelter in place orders have Republican governors and voted for Trump. I mean, Anthony Fauci and a ton of other epidemiologists and experts have said that we should have a nationwide lockdown. Until yeah. this goes away. But the problem is with many conservatives, there's just a massive aversion to science and expertise. And we've and seen fact, it for years. Yeah. We've yeah. seen it with climate change. We've seen it with uh, Darwinian evolution. We've seen it with creationism. Like a lot of these mm-hmm. folks think evolution is, is bullshit and that the earth is less than 10,000 years old. And now we're seeing it during the pandemic. You know, Devin Noons, that the fucking human wart says that California closing schools was overkill and that we need to, I have the direct quote here. We, we have to focus on keeping people employed. And in the media, you had Tucker Carlson last night. He oh, just Tucker summed Carlsson. it up. He just summed it up perfectly last night. He said one of the dumbest things you could possibly say right now. He, he slammed the centers for disease control rightly for initially producing flawed coronavirus tests. I have no dispute with, with that. They messed mm. that one up. But then he said, quote, many people died because the people we trusted to protect our health didn't do it. They have been thoroughly discredited. At the same time, though, we are being asked to trust these same people without hesitation. And for the most part, we are doing that. In other words, the experts failed, yet the experts now have more power than ever before. We can't allow experts to make big decisions. That is not their job. This is a democracy. It is our job, end quote. So I guess this means next time Tucker Carlson has something wrong with him, he won't see a doctor. He'll just crowdsource yeah. his malady to his audience.
0: I mean, you've got to give it to Tucker Carlson. He, he He's a unique to- um, type of evil that exists in America, I think, where he's seemingly very – sensible and reasoned and rational um yet he always he almost always finds a way to come out um on the side of right-wing fucking lunacy um and and bash democrats with it and bash scientists i mean he's a he's a climate change denier as well tucker carlson he thinks it's all uh, he thinks it's all bullshit um because obviously he knows more than 99 percent of all scientists on the planet you know, for, for him this is obviously political like he, the, the way that he has he's almost refused to kind of blame Trump for this he kind of did in the beginning when he said Trump's not taking this seriously he, he, he did stick his neck out kind of to make that point but again he's tr- he's trying to portray this as a bipartisan failure right and a failure of experts a failure of government a failure of uh, you know so he's trying to sh- he's trying to share the blame he's trying to spread the blame around right for political purposes so he so that his his viewers then have a kind of a reason to you know vote for Trump again and not vote for a democrat who he believes are kind of like extremist liberal socialist communist whatever um, gender identity politics nut jobs so that's his shtick uh, and it's amazing that he he knows his audience he knows his audience and he knows uh, he knows who pays his salary
1: yeah by the way I have a diagnosis for what ails him, and that is he's a douchebag. Yes, he is. He's he's a he's a first-rate douchebag, first-rate dickhead. Yeah, like you said, he'll. It's it's kind of like both sides-ism, and yep. conservatives are really good at playing that game. Like, oh, it's all a wash.
0: Yeah, both sides are both sides is just as bad. You know, um, it's amazing that Tucker Carlson's found a way to pin this on scientists.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just goes with, you know, like I was saying earlier, like there is very strong anti-science, anti-expert, anti-intellectual sentiment in the conservative movement. There's a there's a great book from uh, by Richard Hofstetter. It was published back in the early 60s and it's called Anti-Intellectualism in American Life. And he basically documents all this stuff and it explains a lot about where we are today. And one of his focuses is the evangelist movement and Billy Sunday and all, and the great awakenings and all that stuff. And a big part of what we're seeing now, I believe is the evangelical influence at work within the Republican party. Mm. Evangelicals, which by and large reject some basic scientific realities like evolution and the, the age of the earth, climate change And I think that's a big, big part of this Republican aversion to science when it comes to the pandemic and other things like climate change and evolution. It's this deep skepticism of people who are actually experts and are actually renowned in their field. And when when you have them facing the public, they are met in many cases with outright skepticism. And we're seeing yeah. that a little bit with Anthony Fauci. You have this far oh, he's right. Getting death press. He's, he's getting dexterous. Yeah, they death had to right. beef up his security. You go – go, go actually, don't do this, but I did it for you. I went on to Breitbart to look at a couple of articles that oh. were about Fauci, and the comment sections are just a f- goddamn cesspool. I mean they're always a cesspool, but the, the fact, fact that yeah. they're attacking – the nation's most respected epidemiologist as a member of the deep state, as uh, an anti-Trumper, as an idiot, it's just quite remarkable. And I think that the right wing in this country, especially, is really primed to be—they've been trained for decades to be skeptical of, of experts, whether it's in biology, whether it's climate science, whether it's Mm. epidemiology, you know, whatever you want. And the other, I, I mentioned the evangelicals, a lot of them, and I should try to pull up the poll, but a startling number of them believe that the world is going to end in their lifetime. So if you believe that, it's really hard to get motivated to reduce carbon emissions to mitigate oh, yeah. the effects of climate change, or you know, give a shit about reigning in this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I had a really interesting conversation once with a Trump supporter. This, this woman I met, and um, and she claimed that she was she really cared about the environment. Like, so I had a conversation with her back in. I, this is when Trump just got elected. And, uh, you know, she was talking about, you know, Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation and this kind of this was the, the sort of the only thing she could really talk about was, was was how evil the Clintons were and how bad the Clinton Foundation was. And I was like, OK, so, so I asked her, for examples. she couldn't actually give me any examples because she hadn't actually she just all she'd heard was kind of Sean Hannity ranting and raving about it. She actually, didn't actually know anything about it. So when I pressed her on specific, she, she didn't actually have anything to say. Uh, but I kind of moved on to the environment, and I'm like, you know, you know, what about the environment? She's like, no, I really care about the environment. I'm like, well, you know that this guy is about to gut the EPA, and she's like, well, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, he's going to get rid of um, all the time. You know, he's going to basically, he, he's he's going to politicize the EPA. He's going to put people in the oil and gas industry in charge of the EPA, and he's going to basically ensure that all most of um, the Obama era. Uh, protections, the massive protections that Obama put into place are going to be repealed. Um, and she was like, no, that's not thats not going to happen. All right. Um,
1: no, right of it course is, it's going it to happen. Has. It just did happen.
0: It just did happen. She's like, well, I don't, I don't believe that. And I'm like, well, it, it's happened. And she's like, yeah, but where'd you get that from? Like, it, what do you mean? She's like, well, she's like, don't tell me you got it from CNN. I'm like, well, I mean, I've got, you know, it does it, like, it either happened or it didn't happen. I'm telling you it happened, right? it, it, It's happened. So, uh, the person that you voted for is going to basically do an, a, a catastrophic amount of damage to the environment. Do you think you should have perhaps thought about that before you voted for him? And she's like, well, I just, you know, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that that's what's happening. And you just Absolutely. sort of think like, yeah, you just sort. I just remember thinking like, how does one have a conversation with someone like this, you it's, it's impossible to actually have a have a kind of a meaningful conversation because there are even things that have actually happened, like things that he said and done and people that he's fired. It kind of do not if it comes from a liberal source, if it comes from CNN or it comes from then it's
1: it, it, then it must be fake news. It's really disturbing. I think a lot of liberals are grappling with this when it comes to interacting with their um, Trump relatives and supporting friends there's only so much you can do there's only so much you can show them i mean if you have an ap article that says trump's epa is going to roll back regulations x y and z and they don't believe that then there really isn't anything you can do for them in terms of getting them to understand what the reality is
0: yeah yeah and 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 this this is um this is one of the reasons I think that that um, there is no point in, in negotiating with these people. There is there is just no point. There is it's completely fruitless. It's always fruitless. So why bother? Um, I think as Steve Schmidt. Um, the John McCain's former campaign manager said, "Like Trumpism needs to be burnt to the ground. The Republican Party needs to be burnt to the ground. That's the only way that you get rid of Trumpism. Is you have to destroy the whole thing. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be negotiated with. You can't. You can't um, work with them. There's, 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 it's impossible. You're dealing with a cult. So the only thing that the only thing that has to be done is, to, is, is is for them to be beaten to be completely." You know, smashed into oblivion, so they can't. So, so that they, they can't come back. So they, they, they don't. It's. It, for, for, I view this as just a. It's just a power game. They just want power, and they need to be removed from power. It's like you know, like if you look at the Nazis. I'm not saying that the Republicans are as bad as the Nazis. I'm not saying that. It's not. It's not a. Um, you know, they're not trying to commit active genocide. Um, well, not directly, anyway. Um, but. <laughs> So, but, but there are, you know, the way that we dealt with Nazism was to cut it out like a cancer, you know, so it was not, Nazism was just destroyed. So that's what we, I think that that's what we have to do with Trumpism. He has to have the same, you have to have the same treatment. He treats us like a cancer.
1: Okay. So I want to address a few of those points. First of all, Steve Schmidt, I think he bears some responsibility for where we're at now because he gave oh, us. He, Absolutely.
0: <clears> 100 percent. <throat> yeah.
1: And now liberals love him because he is opposed to Trump, which is very. I'll take power. him,
0: though. I'll take him. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take anyone I can get right now.
1: <laughs> but so you were saying, like, these people need to be treated like a, a cancer and just removed from power. I, I agree, which is why I'm tired of this whole unite the country spiel we hear from certain parts of the left and we've been hearing it. I mean, it's a it's trite. It's it's an old refrain in American politics. Well, we need to unite the country. You're not going to unite the country. You're you're whatever that means. You're you're not. You need to win the 30. Exactly. Exactly. You're not going to get the 30 to 40 percent of Americans who will never leave Trump to get on board. And frankly, I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to bring if, if, if you have – if you suddenly have Trump's base yeah. on your side, I think you need to start asking yourself what yeah, you've done wrong.
0: You've got real problems. I mean I think it's like having a kind of extremely mentally ill friend or family member. You just basically – you don't necessarily you, – you, you're not mean to them. Or you, you, you don't hate them. Or you don't, you're not trying to hurt them. But you essentially make sure that they're contained. And not able to get out, you know. Either they're in a they're in a in a nice uh, mental facility that, that looks after them and gives them all the care and treatment they need,
1: or maybe they're like um, a coronavirus you know. patient during quarantine. Like, okay, you stay yeah, over you, there, you stay over
0: there, stay over there. You let the adults come in and and, and clean up the situation. Yeah, and, let the experts come in. Yeah, let the experts come in, and you can just stay in quarantine. It's not that I, you know. Again, like I I don't hate. Trump supporters. I don't hate, I don't even hate Donald Trump. Um, but I recognize that he is a gigantic threat and his base is a gigantic threat too. And I think that, the best yeah, for, for me, it's like, okay, you need this, this quarantine. I think that's a great analogy. Put him in quarantine while everybody else cleans up their shit.
1: So you mentioned that the Republicans are not committing genocide, at least not directly. <laughs> So Noam Noam Chomsky, to bring up a far lefty, he's gone on the record multiple times, I believe, to say that the Republican Party, as it currently exists, is actually more dangerous than the Nazi Party was. And his argument is, yet no, they're not rounding people up, loading them onto cattle cars, and then sending them off to their demises in death camps. But he points to climate change as the big thing, climate change, which affects the entire whole of humanity. And yeah. they, they are just still going headlong into fossil fuels and exacerbating the problem by rolling back even modest regulations on emissions and just completely ignoring all of the warnings of the here goes this word again, experts and scientists and yeah. scientists to achieve their policy aims, which is basically enriching, making it easier for their rich buddies in the fossil fuel industry and related industries to make billions and billions of dollars. So I would be interested to hear what your take is on that.
0: Yeah, I I agree that the Republican Party is probably the greatest threat to not just human life, but all life on planet Earth right now um, with their policies I mean they're it, they're, extric- they're radical extremists radical corporate extremists who are com- deeply deeply um, uh, kind of they- you can't really differentiate between uh, between um, the oil and gas industry and the Republican Party all the for, all for all financial institutions I mean you can with the Democrats but 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 it's again again you can you, there's a differentiation you can differentiate them. Right. I'm not saying that the oil and gas industry in Wall Street don't and the insurance industry don't have their hooks in the Democratic Party. They do. They most certainly do. But the Democratic Party is not completely beholden
1: to them, to those interests. The Republican completely. Party. Never had. Say again. Keyword completely. So it's like. Yeah. Those industries give the uh, uh, the Republicans give those industries all of what they want, and then Democrats give them some or most of what they want.
0: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, let's say that Republicans is hundred percent. I would say Democrats is probably about fifty percent. Uh, they still, you know, Democrats, even the most corporate, you know, hack Democrat. Uh, still believes in some sort of social safety net, you know. Still believes in funding, funding Medicaid or you know ma- making sure that kids have school dinners, that kind of thing. Republicans just don't give a flying fuck, you know. And it's like like environmental concerns. I mean, the Democrats will. I, the, the difference is the Democrats will work with corporations to ensure that they moderate their behaviour. You can you, you, the Democrats help moderate behaviour. The Republicans just give them free reign, do what you want, go for profits, don't care. You know, so, so I think that, and and that's the diff, that's the difference the, the democratic party is basically, I think split into kind of three different segments where you've got, um, you know, you've got this, you've got centrist, you've got the far left and you've got kind of like the middle of the party. And the middle of the party is kind of like a proper, you know, that, that to me is like a sort of functioning political party. Um, the centri- you know, the sort of centrists, you, you know, that, that is the more t- towards the more corrupt side of the party. Then you've got the far left of varying different colours uh, that are, you know, out there. But I think that by and large, the Democratic Party, is, is, it, it's, it's, a fu- it's a functioning political party. It, the, this, the, the base of the Democratic Party is it, it functions. You know, it's a real political party. There's real diversity of opinion. And it kind of like it's not totally about money. But the Republican Party is just about shoveling money to uh, to to corporate interests, and there is no difference now.
1: And they do it in the most cynical way possible. I mean, yes. they're, they're pandering to their base is legendary. I mean, they've managed to marry this extreme pro corporate position with Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and like morality and all of this stuff. And it's like, these two things are, these are diametrically opposed conceptual things here. Like Jesus, I'm not going to play the Jesus wood game, but like you consider like his treatment of the money changers and talking about like, it's easier to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it just, how do you reconcile that with the behavior of the Republican Party, which is the party of God in this country?
0: Yeah, it's a cult. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cult, but it's a cult that's been deliberately sort of created uh, and, and nurtured by extremely cynical characters within the party. You know, like Cole Rose and the Liat Waters. And, uh, you know, the, the, they've been cleverly manipulated. White Americans have been cleverly manipulated into buying into all this stuff. I mean, that's why Trump is almost a bit of a deviation for it, because I think people believe that he was actually interested in, in helping America helping them, um, you know, with, with his, his plans for, you know, infrastructure spending and, uh, creating jobs and protecting industries and whatnot. So I think that that was, that it did mark an interesting deviation from traditional Republicanism. Um, but again, he's been co-opted again. Uh, he's been co-opted, um, uh, massively i think i i never bought it in the first place so it's not really surprising to me but we're now just back to the sort of usual the the, the republican that's why the republicans tolerate trump it's just like okay yeah but the guy's passing tax cuts and and, and um he's passing giant tax cuts uh, and botting you know, a pandemic yeah 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 yeah, exactly exactly
1: but as uh, long as we keep getting those tax cuts and corporate giveaways hey yeah yeah all is well all is well
0: Anyway, I think uh, I think uh, this is an ongoing situation, so we're going to have lots more to talk about um, for next week's uh, next week's episode. Um, I hope we I hope haven't depressed people too much. But um, anyway, Mike, you had a really good article out this week on your website. Do you want to just give that a quick
1: plug? Uh, you deal, sure. Daniel, I, I wasn't going to, but since you've opened no, the door for me. Yeah, I know. That's right. It's uh, we talked about Trump being a narcissist in this podcast, and so I wrote an article about Trump being uh, an irredeemable narcissist, and I lay out the the criteria, the DSM criteria for what makes a narcissist, and um, I just put that in uh, in the context of current events and why you know Jim Acosta or why none of us can ever trust that Trump has turned a corner because that's who he is. And that's what he'll always be. So if you want to go to NewDealDemocrat.com and read that article, the lead article, or other article, articles out. I've written, uh, please feel free to do so.
0: Awesome. That's great. Uh, also a uh, quick plug for banter the banter newsletter. If you're not signed up to the newsletter, please do so, the banter um, you can also uh, yeah. become a member, you get fifty percent off if you up if you go to the look at the latest um, banter brief article uh, which is the latest thing up on the website. Uh, and you can there's a link there, you can get fifty percent off a of membership today. Um so yeah, hope that you'll come and join the community. Um and thanks very much for listening. And uh Mike, anything else you want to say before we sign out?
1: Goodbye everyone. Stay healthy. Stay safe. All right.
0: Thanks everyone. Bye.